This evening I wanted to speak about the wisdom portion of the Noble Eightfold Path, which is right understanding, samaditi, and right thought, or right intention, or right purpose, samasankapa. And then first I want to repeat the, that very simple definition of what wisdom is, which I've mentioned earlier on. Just simply, um, you know, personal experience understood is a, a definition for wisdom. And, you know, in that moment, we, if we really understand our personal experience, and we see things in accordance with reality, then um, suffering ends in that moment. So for example, you know, seeing how our suffering is, uh, you know, produced by clinging or grasping attachment. There will be still pain and discomfort, but the burning, you know, which is the result of suffering, we can do something about that. We don't necessarily can do something about pain and discomfort, but that extra adding to it, this is you know where the path can help us to reduce that more and more by uh, you know seeing through that net of uh, ignorance or delusion, greed, and aversion, you know, which we usually project on top of our experience. And the key to liberation is understanding, you know, how that projecting, how that happens and what the causes are for it and then bring those causes to an end and then the suffering will also come to an end. And then we still, we will experience discomfort, but we don't make more out of it than what it is. We don't worry about it. We are not afraid of of it. We are not, you know, wishing it to go away. There is just the capacity to to be with it because we know it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And then you know our participation in that whole process starts to shift from from you know buying into the stories and drowning in the stories to rather you know, observing and being very clear about the structure, how it happens, you know, that it has a beginning, it has a middle, and it has an end. And then there is this, you know, confidence that because it has a reason, it will cease at one point. And then, uh, you know, we have more and more resilience and we can open to the process because we know that's just, you know, the way things are. And there is not so much uh, resistance to it. And the resistance is really which which uh, makes a lot more out of discomfort and pain than, how it need, than what it needs to be. And... Uh, you know, when we are seeing that for the first time, how we are ex- actually adding so much on top of our experience, when we see that for the first time, you know, and that we consciously become aware of what's called the three characteristics in, in the Buddhist teaching, 
The first being dukkha or unsatisfactoriness, second one being anicca or impermanence, and the third one is anatta or not-self or emptiness. Then that's a characteristic which is uh, to be, you know, seen and recognized in all phenomena, all phenomena whatsoever, you know, a car, a plate of food, a planet, a fly, anything, anything, and it displays those three phenomena. And that's why, you know, all phenomena are actually having as their essence that capacity, you know, for liberation, because they all display the phenomena. But if we are not really instructed, or if we are not looking in the right way, they tend to escape us. And then, you know, for the first time when we see them, and probably, you know, the first time we either notice impermanence, or maybe, you know, the suffering which comes from attachment, then, uh, that is, you know, for the first time that right view arises. And then with that first arising of right view, the possibility of a path comes into view for the first time. That's why it's called right view. And the path opens up. And then a Pali language is called Samaditi. And it can be also translated as wise view. And that's the first leg of the Noble Eightfold Path. And, you know, it's, this is why also it's mentioned here in, on this paper which we have shared with you in the first position. And there's two different kinds of right view. There's what's called conventional or mundane right view and ultimate or transcendent or sometimes also called supermontane right view. And the conventional right view is just, you know, understanding about certain things in life, you know, understanding about generosity, understanding about respect, understanding about, you know, how... Um, to live in relationship with others. And I can read you the definition of that. And there's actually a definition of wrong view, of, of a, a wrong conventional view. I didn't find the opposite, so I brought that along. And it's, the, it's in, the, in the suttas written like that. There is no wrong view is if we think that there is no meaning in giving sacrifice or offerings. There is no fruit or result of good and bad deeds. There is no afterlife. There is no obligation to mother and father. No beings are reborn spontaneously. And there is no ascetic or Brahmin who is well attained and practiced and who describes the afterlife after realizing it with their own insight. So that's the definition of uh, wrong view. And, and the ultimate or transcendent right view is, you know, basically the, um, the understanding of the Four Noble Truths. Which means, you know, understanding that attachment 
is the cause of suffering and that suffering isn't like a quality of phenomena but suffering is the result of attachment. If we expect phenomena to be what they are not, then suffering will be the result. And you know, the Four Noble Truths, uh, the First Noble Truth is that you know, there is suffering, then the Second Noble Truth is the origin of suffering is being attachment, the third noble truth is the end of suffering or complete health or, you know, it's defined as Nibbana or Nirvana and the fourth noble truth being the path leading to that. And that's what, you know, we are speaking about in this retreat. We speak actually about the fourth noble truth and how that is the cure, so to say, to releasing that attachment which is a result of you know misunderstanding reality and through the path gradually you know those uh, projections are thinned out more and more and uh, our perceptions are maturing and developing as this web of ignorance is thinned out, you know, through the application of the cure. And, uh, and right view stands at the beginning of that. You know, when we for the first time um, have a glimpse of the possibility. And that then strengthens also the next path factor, which is the second leg of the Noble Eightfold Path, Samasankapa or right thought, right aim, right intention, right purpose arises with the seeing of the right view. And that's, you know, slowly uh, reconditions the mind and our perceptions change. And, and then the definition of uh, wrong intention is the following. And what because is wrong intention? The intention of sensual desire, the intention of ill will, and the intention of cruelty. This is wrong intention. And what is right intention? Renunciation, loving kindness, and compassion. So, you know, any thoughts which are of those qualities are considered right thoughts and they will lead to a wholesome result. And as we are, you know, walking the path, our thinking uh, slowly but surely, you know, adjusts more and more. And for example, you know, the Brahma Vihara practices are there, you know, in order to support that uh, reconditioning. And then, you know, once there is right thought and right view, from then onwards, the path unfolds, you know, quite automatic. So there is no more uh, much effort needed because there is, you know, if, if right view and right thought is there, then we automatically, you know, feel uh, that we want to, for example, keep the precept. We don't want to harm any being. 
because we understand, you know, if we are harming others, we're harming ourselves. And that's, you know, what wisdom is all about, that, uh, that knowing, you know, which becomes part of our being. It's no longer that, you know, I'm thinking, oh, what are the precepts? And somebody told me I need to keep the precepts. But it's more like, you know, certain things we can't do it anymore because it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it's not attractive to us any longer. And uh, because our perceptions have changed. And uh, the, the Pali word for wisdom is panya. And, uh, you know, the root of that word is nya, which means to know. And the prefix pa means uh, before, quote-unquote, and gives that whole word, you know, a dynamic nuance, uh, a knowing and understanding as an action, not as a, as a body of knowledge. You know, it's not like about I'm thinking, where did I read that and which page number, but it's more like it, it arises out of your being because it has been understood and because of that understanding, it has been integrated and it's a uh, you know, capacity to recognize truth and significance and then really living, living it. And uh, it's, a, it's a, an active faculty or a capacity or an aptitude which, you know, is a result of seeing clearly. And, you know, when I was guiding us in some of the meditations, you know, speaking about temporary liberation of the mind, when the mind was really wide open and not attaching to anything, you know, not contracting around anything, not contracting around a thought of wanting something different or not wanting something. So that's a moment, you know, of a very open mind, a mind which is clear of any... Uh, grasping and that is you know like a taste of of that kind of a mind which we are cultivating you know on the path to become a permanent uh, experience we can have it you know at this point in time of our practice we can have a temporary taste of it and that's why it's also sometimes called you know a little nibbana and then you know, when we get up from the cushion and we go outside and somebody steps on our toes, then it happens again like that, which is okay, you know. But then we can see the difference, you know. And, uh, and then if we are really getting, you know, used to this mind when it's really wide open and not contracted around anything, then uh, the more you know, the more clearly we have recognized that and, and regularly recognizing it, it's easier and easier for the mind to get back to that because it famili it's familiar, you know, it becomes very familiar with it and it's much easier to get back. And there's a deep knowing, you know, that it is much more uh, attractive, you know, to, to be in a mind like this than to, you know, be hunting after sense pleasures, basically. And uh, so that, um, 
you know, temporary liberation of the mind, it's something to really, when it is happening, you know, to really uh, take it in, you know, what, how that feels, like to have a, a real memory and to cultivate that memory in the mind so that the mind can get back to it easily and... Um, I forgot what I wanted to say. <clears throat> um, okay, so you know it starts that process. You know, starts uh, with having a, a correct conceptual understanding of you know what the the path is all about. For example, you know, understanding about the three characteristics and the four noble truths. And then, you know, getting an a, a intellectual understanding, which we get from a book or from a teacher. And then, so it's inferential first. And then we are bringing it in our own experience through, you know, through the meditation practice and also through contemplation in our daily lives. And then through that, you know, it becomes more and more intuitive because we will have, you know, experiences where we can really uh, see the Dhamma in our own experience and then uh, it becomes more and more intuitive and a, a non-conceptual understanding which is with us, you know, as we are going through our life. And, and there's also another factor which is important, which is... Uh, called a sada in Pali, or uh, it's translated as, as faith, confidence, and you know, the capacity to really fully respond to what we have uh, understood, to lift that. And uh, so to let go, you know, of our fears, to let go of me, quote unquote, and uh, allow that wisdom, allow that... Uh, what has been understood, allow that to spread out, you know, through our lives and uh, allow the truth to ripple through our being and, and change us and, you know, and work with the, maybe the fear and the doubt, you know, that are we able to do this, you know, are we able to, have we really understood and so on. And we can only know that if we, if we try it out. And that's what faith is uh, very important for. It's like the two wings of a bird. In order for a bird to really fly, it needs both wings. And for us, you know, in order for the practice to really um, become integrated, we need both. We need uh, wisdom and we need the faith, you know, to live it. And And then... It's like, uh, you know, uh, the realization and the actualization of the realization. It's like two um, processes, you know, which are intertwining and, and basically going deeper and deeper into reality. And um, the conviction and the faith, you know, become stronger and stronger. And, uh, and through that, you know, we, we have more more courage 
and and then through that you know there's is more experience of wisdom really um, becoming clear to us through insight and and it's a mutually empowering process which is very dynamic and uh, is not a knowledge you know which we are carrying around and but it's more like a putting down of projections, uh, uh, seeing through filters, cognitive and emotional filters, you know, which are the result of, of conditioning from this lifetime and maybe other lifetimes. And so it's an it's a unburdening, it's a, it's a putting down, it's not the picking up of more stuff. And you know, and how can wisdom be developed? There's like four um, strategies you know, which we can find in the suttas. First one, association, associating with good people, not with fools. It's said quite often. Then hearing the true teaching, you know, hearing a wisdom teaching which works. And the third one, careful attention to our experience. And the fourth one is practicing the teaching in accordance with the teaching. You know, practicing in the way how we have received this rather than how we think it should be. That's also important. And, uh, and then if we are practicing in this way, and I think this is a different different way of expressing what the Noble Eightfold Path is all about, you know. All of those factors, they, they also in, in the path. And, um, and through that, you know, through that practicing, we understand more and more that um, grasping is not something done by the self, but rather Self is something done by grasping. So we understand more and more there isn't anybody in there, you know, sitting in the brain or in the heart or anywhere doing the grasping. But we understand more and more that, that the experience of being a separate entity is actually the result of the grasping. And the grasping is something, you know, which is a, a quality of the mind stream as long as it has this uh, greed, hatred and delusion in it, the experience of self is going to be the result of that. So it's exactly exactly the opposite than how we experience it as long as we are not looking at that whole process in the right way, as long as there's no not right view, there's always the assumption that we are separate somebody. And then through walking on the path and, you know, and following those... Uh, guidelines and so on and so forth, that uh, clarity starts to dawn on us, you know, and that's not something we can force, but we can put the causes and conditions in place and then it becomes visible because those filters, you know, they are let go of and put down more and more and there's this, you know, four stages of awakening in the Theravada teaching which speak about, you know, those filters as they are put down uh, one by one through practicing. 
and uh, there's this, you know, four stages which are called stream entra, once returner, non-returner, and arahant. And every time, you know, every stage puts down a certain amount of they're called fetters in the in the sutta language, but I think filters is better. And um, so in an, with the stream entry, the first three fetters or filters are, are put down and not picked up again. And the first one is, um, you know, belief in rites and rituals. So believing, you know, that following rites and rituals or even following the precepts, you know, that that alone can liberate us. So, you know, doing things in a certain way, for example, you know, becoming a monk or a nun is, is, a, is enough, you know, for getting enlightened. So that would be wrong, a wrong uh, assumption. And then the second one is having doubt, you know, that, uh, that there is a path and that we can actually follow it. And the third one is, you know, believing that we are a separate entity. So that's the first three filters or fetters which are put down with stream entry. And then uh, the next two, once returner and non-returner is, is first to a certain extent and then uh, with the third stage completely you know, letting go and putting down the filters of greed and hatred. And then there's just five left, you know, for Aranship. And I hope I remember them. They are like attachments to uh, very refined meditative states. It's number six and seven. And then um, restlessness. Ignorance is one, and one is left, which I just don't remember right now. Conceit. Conceit, exactly, thank you. Conceit, you know, thinking I'm better than you, I'm worse than you, I'm the same as you. Comparing. So that's those filters or fetters, you know, which are let go of through insight. Because, you know, the basic meaning of confusion is to believe that something is in a way that in fact it is not. And that's why meditation is more about letting go than about achieving. And the whole practice is, is about letting go of those fetters, of those filters, and not picking up something else. And then you know, the understanding of the Dhamma and the understanding of what truth is is, is more like an intuitive um, capacity, you know, which is not necessarily, one doesn't necessarily have to be ex very learned, you know, one would still be able, the discernment is still there. And, you know, the discernment of what is truth and what is not. And for that, one doesn't necessarily need to know a lot of the texts by heart or anything like that. So it's a, it's a dynamic uh, quality which is about, you know, having it handy in the moment. That's when we need it. 
and then having the, the faith and the confidence to apply it. And then it, it starts to you know, reveal itself as the path. And you know, the mind becomes more and more open and the mind can allow more and more life into the mind. There's no, not so much fear, there's not so much um, hesitation, there's the, the confidence that we can deal with anything. So I think, you know, that is um, what I wanted to share tonight. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.